Part nine of a journal of impressions in Belgium by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part nine. At last we landed. I have no vivid recollection of our passage through the town. Except that I know we actually were in Antwerp, I could not say whether I really saw certain winding streets and old houses with steep gables or whether I dreamed them. There was one great street of white houses and gilded signs that stood shimmering somewhere in the twilight, but I cannot tell you what street it was, and there were some modern boulevards and the whole place was very silent. It had the silence and half-darkness of dreams, and the beauty and magic and sinister sadness of dreams, and in that silence and sadness our car, with its backings and turnings and its snortings, and our own voices as we asked our way, for we were more or less lost in Antwerp, seemed to be making an appalling and inappropriate and impious noise. Antwerp seems to me to have been all hospitals, though I only saw two or perhaps three. One was in an ordinary house in a street, and I think this must have been the British Field Hospital, for Mrs. Winterbottom was there. And of all the women I met thus casually at the front, she was by a long way the most attractive. We went into one or two of the wards, in others where the cases were very serious we were only allowed to stand for a second in the doorway there were others again which we could not see at all i think unless i am rolling two hospitals into one that we saw a second the english hospital it was for the english hospital that we heard the commandant inquire perpetually as we made our way through the strange streets and the boulevards beyond them following at his own furious pace losing him in byways and finding him by some miracle again. Talk of dreams. Our progress through Antwerp was like one of those nightmares which have no form or substance, but are made up of ghastly twilight and hopeless quest and ever-accelerating speed. It was not till it was all over that we knew the reason for his excessive haste. When we got to Mrs. St. Clair Stobart's hospital, in a garden planted somewhere away beyond the boulevards in an open place, we had hardly any time to look at it. All the same, I shall never forget that hospital as long as I live. It had been a concert hall, and was built principally of glass and iron. Footnote. There must be something wrong here, for the place was, I believe, a convent. At any rate, if it was not really the greenhouse that it seemed to be, there was a great deal of glass about it, and it had been shelled by aeroplane the night before. No great damage had been done, but the sound and the shock had terrified the wounded in their beds. This hospital, as everybody knows, is run entirely by women, with women doctors, women surgeons, women orderlies. Mrs. St. Clair Stobart and some of her gallant staff came out to meet us on a big veranda in front of this fantastic building. She and her orderlies in the uniform of the British Red Cross, her surgeons in long white linen coats over their skirts. Dr. Blank, whom we are to take back with us to Ghent, was there. We asked for Miss Blank, and she came to us finally in a small room, adjoining what must have been the restaurant of the concert hall. I was shocked at her appearance. She was quieter than ever, and her face was grey and worn with watching. She looked as if she could not have held out another night. She told us about last night's bombardment. The effect of it on this absurd greenhouse must have been terrific. Every day they are expecting the bombardment of the town. No, none of them are leaving except two. Every woman will stick to her post. Footnote. Every woman did. 
till the order comes to evacuate the hospital and then not one will quit till the last wounded man is carried to the transport it seems that miss blank is a hospital orderly and that her duty is to stand at the gate of the garden with a lantern as the ambulances come in and to light them to the door of the hospital and then to see that each man has the number of his cot pinned to the breast of his sleeping jacket mrs stobart very properly will have none but trained women in her hospital but even an untrained woman is equal to holding a lantern and pinning on tickets so i implored miss blank to let me take her place while she went back to rest in my room at ghent if it was only for one night i used every argument i could think of and for one second i thought the best argument had prevailed but it was only for a second probably not even for a second miss blank may drop to pieces at her post but it is there that she will drop outside in the veranda the commandant was fairly ramping to be off no i can't see the hospital there isn't any time to see the hospital but miss blank could not bear me not to see it and together we made a surreptitious boat for it and i did see the hospital it was not like any hospital you had ever seen before except that the wounded were all comfortably bedded it was more like the sleeping hall of the palais de fete the floor of the great concert hall was covered with mattresses and beds where the wounded lay about in every attitude of suffering no doubt everything was in the most perfect order and the nurses and doctors knew how to thread their way through it all but to the hurried spectator in the doorway the effect was one of the most macabre confusion only one object stood out the large naked back of a belgian soldier who sat on the edge of his bed waiting to be washed he must have been really the most cheerful and comparatively uninjured figure in the whole crowd but he seemed the most pitiful because of the sheer human insistence of his pathetic back over this back and over all that prostrate agony the enormous floriated bronze rings that carried the lights of the concert hall hung from the ceiling in frightful festive decoration miss blank whispered one of them is dying we can't save him she seemed to regard this one as a positive slur on their record i thought only one among all that crowd mrs stobart came after us in some alarm as we ran down the garden what are you doing with miss blank you're not going to carry her off no i said we're not she won't come but we have got off with dr blank mrs stobart has refused the commandant's offer of one of our best surgeons in exchange he is a man and this hospital is a feminist show we dined in a great hurry in a big restaurant in one of the main streets the restaurant was nearly empty and funereal black cloths were hung over the windows to obscure the lights mr davidson this cheerful presence was with us in our dreamlike career through antwerp mr davidson and i amused ourselves by planning how we will behave when we are taken prisoner by the germans he is safe because he is an american citizen the unfortunate thing about me is my passport otherwise by means of a well-simulated nasal twang i might get through as an american novelist i've been mistaken for one often enough in my own country but as i don't mean to be taken prisoner and perhaps murdered or have my hands chopped off without a struggle my plan is to deliver a speech in german as follows ich bin eine berühmte schriftstellerin on these occasions you stick at nothing berühmt in england aber viel berühmter in den vereinigten staaten und mein schicksal will den präsidenten wilson nicht gleichgültig sein 
i added by way of rhetorical flourish as the language went to my head er will mein tod zu verteidigen gut wissen but i was aware that this was overdoing it mr davidson thought it would be better on the whole if he were to pass me off as his wife perhaps it would but it seems a pity that so much good german should be wasted we got up from that dinner with even more haste than we had sat down all lights in the town were put out at eight thirty and we didn't want to go crawling and blundering about in the dark with our ambulance car there was a general feeling that the faster we ran back to ghent the better we left mr davidson and dr wilson in antwerp they were staying overnight for the fun of the thing another awful struggle on the downward slope from the quay to the bridge of boats a bad jam at the turn a sudden loosening and letting go of the traffic and we were over we ran back to ghent so fast that at st nicholas where we stopped to pick up our poor little belgian professor we took a wrong turn at the fork of the road and dashed with considerable elan over the dutch frontier we only realized it when a sentry in an unfamiliar uniform raised his rifle and prepared to fire not with the cheerful perfunctory vigilance of our belgians but in a determined business-like manner and the word achille imparted in a burst of confidence produced no sympathy whatever on the contrary this absurd sentry who had come out of a straw sentry-box that was like an enormous beehive went on pointing his rifle at us with most unnecessary persistence i was so interested in seeing what he would do next that i missed the very pleasing behaviour of the little belgian professor who sat next to me wrapped in his brown shawl he still imagined himself to be on the road to ghent and when he saw that sentry continuing to prepare to fire in spite of our password he concluded that we and the road to ghent were in the hands of the germans so he instantly ducked behind me for cover and collapsed on the floor of the ambulance in his shawl then somebody said we're in holland and there were shouts of laughter from everybody in the car except the little belgian then shouts of laughter from the dutch sentries and customs officers who enjoyed this excellent joke as much as we did we were now out of our course by i don't know how many miles and short of petrol but one of the customs officers gave us all we wanted it's heartbreaking the way these dear belgians take the british they have waited so long for our army believing that it would come till they could believe no more in ghent in antwerp you wouldn't know that belgium had any allies you never see the british flag or the french either hanging from the windows the black yellow and red standard flies everywhere alone now that we have come their belief in us is almost unbearable they really think we are going to save antwerp somewhere between antwerp and st nicholas the population of a whole village turned out to meet us with cries of les anglaises les anglaises and laugh for joy terrible for us who had heard belgians say reproachfully we thought that the british would come to our help but they never came they said it in more sorrow than in anger but you couldn't persuade them that the british fought for belgium at mons we got into ghent about midnight dr is to stay at the hotel de la poste tonight. monday the fifth the mosquitoes from the canal have come up and bitten me i was ill all night with something that felt like malarial fever if it isn't influenza couldn't get up too drowsy mr l came in to see me first thing in the morning he also came to hear at first hand the story of our run into antwerp he was extremely kind he sat and looked at me sorrowfully as if he had been the family doctor and gave me some of his very own china tea 
in belgium in war time this is one of the most devoted things that man can do for his brother he was so gentle and so sympathetic that my heart went out to him and i forgot all about poor mr davidson and gave up to him the whole splendid scoop of the british troops at st nicholas i couldn't tell him much about the run into antwerp no doubt it was a thrilling performance through all the languor of malaria it thrills me now when i think of it but it wasn't much to offer a war correspondent since it took us nowhere near the bombardment it had nothing for the psychologist or for the amateur of strange sensations and nothing for the pure and ardent spirit of adventure and nothing for that insatiable and implacable self that drives you to the abhorred experiment determined to know how you will come out of it for there was no more danger in the excursion than in a run down to brighton and back and i know no more of fear or courage than i did before i started but now that i realize what the insatiable and implacable self is after how it worked in me against all decency and all pity how it actually made me feel as if i wanted to see antwerp under siege and how the spirit of adventure backed it up i can forgive the commandant i still think that he sinned when he took ursula dearmer to termond and to alost but the temptation that assailed him at alost and termond was not to be measured by anybody who was not there it must have been irresistible besides it is not certain that he did take ursula dearmer into danger it is every bit as likely that she took him more likely still that they were both victims of force majeure fascinated by the lure of the greatest possible danger and oh how i did pitch into him i am ashamed of the things i said in that access of insulting and indignant virtue can it be that i was jealous of ursula dearmer that innocent girl because she saw a shell burst and i didn't i know this is what was the matter with mrs torrance the other day she even seemed to imply that there was some feminine perfidy in ursula dearmer's power of drawing shells to her she poor dear can attract even a bullet within a mile of her footnote this was made up to her afterwards her cup fairly ran over lying there in that mosquito-haunted room i dissolved into a blessed state a beautiful drowsy tenderness to everybody a drowsy beautiful forgiveness of the commandant i forgot that he intimated sternly that no ambulance would be at my disposal in the flight from ghent i remember only that he took me into antwerp yesterday and that he couldn't help it if the outer forts were thirty kilometres away and i forgive him beautifully and drowsily but when he came running up in great haste to see me and rushed down into the kitchens of the hotel to order soup for me and into the chemist's shop in the place d'armes to get my medicine and ran back again to give it me before i knew where i was such as the debilitating influence of malaria instead of forgiving him i found myself in abject contrition actually asking him to forgive me it was all wrong of course but the mosquitoes had bitten me rather badly mrs torrance and janet mcneil have got to work at last all afternoon and all night yesterday they were busy between the station and the hospitals removing the wounded from the antwerp trains and car one had no sooner got into the yard of the flandria to rest after its trip to antwerp and back than it was ordered out again with the commandant and ursula dearmer and mrs torrance to meet the last ambulance train the chauffeur tom was nowhere to be seen when the order came he was however found after much search in the park in the company of the cricklewood bus and a whole regiment of tommies one of these ambulance trains had been shelled by the germans 
they couldn't have been very far from us in our run from antwerp it was their nearness in fact that accounted for our prodigious haste and many of the men came in worse wounded than they went out we were all tremendously excited over the arrival of the tommies in the cricklewood bus we can think of nothing else but the relief of antwerp ursula dearmer came to see me she understands that i have forgiven her that shell and why she wore the clothes the rather heart-rending schoolgirl clothes she wore when she came to see the committee but oh how the youngest but one has grown up since then mrs torrance came to see me also and janet mcneil mrs torrance though that shell still rankles is greatly appeased by the labours of last night so is janet they told rather a nice story a train full of british troops from ostend came into the station yesterday at the same time as the ambulance train from antwerp the two were drawn up one on each side of the same platform when the wounded belgians saw the british they struggled to their feet at every window of the ambulance train bandaged heads were thrust out and bandaged hands waved and the belgians shouted but the british stood dumb stolid and impassive before their enthusiasm mrs torrance called out give them a cheer boys they're the bravest little soldiers in the world then the tommies let themselves go and the station roof nearly flew off with the explosion the corps worked till four in the morning clearing out those ambulance trains the wards are nearly full and this is only the beginning tuesday the sixth malaria gone the commandant called to give his report of the ambulance work he mrs torrance janet mcneil ursula dearmer and the men were working all yesterday afternoon and evening till long past dark at termonde it's the finest thing they've done yet the men and the women crawled on their hands and knees in the trenches under the river bank under fire ursula dearmer that girl's luck is simply staggering ursula dearmer wandering adventurously apart after dark on the battlefield found a young belgian officer badly wounded lying out under a tree she couldn't carry him but she went for two stretchers and three men and they put the young officer on one stretcher and she trotted off with his sword his cap and the rest of his accoutrements on the other he owes his life to this manifestation of her luck dr wilson has come back from antwerp it looks as if dr haynes and dr bird would go at any rate i think they will give up working on the field ambulance there aren't enough cars for four surgeons and four field women and they have seen hardly any service this is rather hard luck on them as they gave up their practice to come out with us naturally they don't want to waste any more time i managed to get some work done today wrote a paragraph about the ambulance for mr l who will publish it in the westminster under his name to raise funds for us he is more than ever certain that it the ambulance is the real thing also wrote an article the military hospital number two for the daily chronicle the first bit of journalism i've had time or material for chopped very triste affair went to mass in the cathedral sat far back among the refugees if you want to know what religion really is go into a catholic church in a catholic country under invasion you only feel the tenderness the naivete of catholicism in peacetime in wartime you realize its power evening saw mr p who has been at termonde he spoke with great praise of the gallantry of our corps it's odd either i'm getting used to it or it's the effect of that run into antwerp 
but I'm no longer torn by fear and anxiety for their safety. Dined with Mr. L. in a restaurant in the town. It proved to be more expensive than either of us cared for. Our fried soul left us hungry and yet conscience-stricken, as if after an orgy, suffering in a dreadful communion of guilt. End of Part 9 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine